Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought we were going to do... Are you some... good? Nah. No. Uh, I thought we were going to do some new intros. I, I know that, like, recently no. we, we had said, you know, we've... For seven, eight, nine, ten years, however long we've been doing this, we it's just been like, a minute, yeah. I'm Alan, and with me is always yeah. Mark. How you doing, Mark? And I'm Mark. I mean, in a way, we just did a new one. Hey. See? Nailed it. Boom. Nailed, boom. All right. And and now we check that box, we can move on. Yeah, thank God. Thank I don't, I don't God. like being yeah. creative. I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It, uh, you know, it's getting in the fallish period here. Yeah. Nights are, some of them are a little coolish. I'm actually kind of looking forward to that, to be honest. It's been a little hot. Yeah, it's not it's not boiling hot anymore. Yeah. It's just like normal hot. But like eight weeks, weren't we just griping about it being cold? It feels like summer went really fast. Well, you you complain a lot, so well, I kind of I, I zone you out sometimes. So many people do. There's so much. I can only take so much. Yeah, I hear you. But yeah, you were complaining uh, in uh, the old man way you do. Like it's uh -huh. really cold. Get off my lawn. Yeah, get off my cold, cold cold lawn. Yeah, get off my cold lawn. There you go. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to complain today, Mark. I'm going to talk about season six, episode 13, Ann and Chris. Oh. But I will complain later, Aww. just to be clear. All so, right. Well, yeah. How would I know it's you otherwise? Yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> this episode first aired on January 30th, 2014. Yep. And uh, this is an interesting week on television that night. Uh, we had basically community in the eight o'clock slot. Mm -hmm. Parks had, uh, for some reason, for a while there to end this season, slid into the 830 slot, which is not unusual at this point for them. That's true. But at nine o'clock and basically for the rest of primetime, we had the SNL Sports Spectacular. Huh. So... Just interesting to think of the context and whether the the thing that's normally at nine or ten o'clock that's supposed to be the draw of the evening actually helps Parks and Rec on an episode like this. Hmm. But they had a pretty good share and a good view that night. I think you know as good as anything late in season six or into season six. And I think the the uh, this farewell is why people probably tuned in. That's my guess. I think you're right. Yeah. So. This episode was directed by Dean Holland. This is his 22nd of 27 that he ultimately, our most prolific director. Right. He gets the, uh, what, the golden chair, I guess? Uh, the golden uh, megaphone. The golden megaphone. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. It. Uh, obviously, Dean was a producer in the entire run, and he actually edited 28 of these episodes. That's what was how he got started. It was as an editor. So still had those chops, apparently. Aisha Marar was our writer. She got the golden pin for this episode. Now, I was curious, did did Mike Schur, uh share the writing credits for this one? Mike Schur shares the writing credits for 124 episodes. Oh, that Him many? Him and Greg Daniels. Mm. So basically every episode gets three real writers. Now, that doesn't mean it wasn't officially co-written in the official credits. No, she gets it alone. Nice. Aisha, you get the golden pen. There you go. Yeah. Uh, she went on to produce 56 episodes and she actually acted as a character in one of them. I think I remember that from maybe season five, not that long ago. Um, yeah. Was that when she was in the baby store? The, yeah. Yeah. She went to the baby store. She worked in the baby folks. store. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Well, hey, Mark, that's enough, I think, to set us up and get us going. Why don't you give us the those their synopsises and we'll get this thing going. All right. This was a, a tricky one because... Um, this was like some episodes, which is rare, but not unheard of, where stuff kind of weaves, uh, you know, in and out yeah. with, with each other. So I wasn't exactly sure how to shard this. Yeah, it is simple. I did. <laughs> uh oh, I did three stories. Yay. Mm -hmm. 
No. The Harvey hit the wrong button. Who's here today, by the way? It's Constantine. Constantine. Hit the wrong button. No, sorry, Constantine. Put down the sorry. onions. You're hit, not hit Harvey. The right, yeah. but which one was the right button? Just flip me off. Um, was it the R button? Yeah, it was the R. Yeah, oh. sorry. Right. The, the judges said two, A and B. Simple, simple. What I, was your, well, just tell me right now before we like break it, break it down. What were your three stories? We obviously got, we got the, the, the main episode, uh, you know, interest, the A, oh, they call it the A story. Let's just call it the A story, Mark. Is that what they, tell they, me more about this process. <laughs> where we're saying goodbye to Ann and Chris, right? Yes, that's one of them. I mean, Leslie's trying to put together the party, which I know you'll tell us more about in a minute. Like that's the uh -huh. A story. Uh, oh, wow. We're going to have mean, a fun uh, time today, aren't uh, we? I mean, it's, it's it depends. Okay. All right. Well, let's do the thing and we'll see how you did. All right. Let's see how I'm because get no, your finger is going to be on the uh, button. I just know it. So um, my A story is um, is is an homage to the great uh, 1960 Neil Sadaka song. Breaking ground is hard to do. <laughs> I think that's funny. That is pretty funny. All right. Yeah. In celebration of how their friendship started, Leslie secretly arranges for her and Anne to officially break ground on Pawnee Commons at Lot 48 as a going-away present. However, Harold, hate Harold, Harold, the director of public, public works, is angry that Leslie went over his head to do that, since his department didn't sign off on it. Later, Leslie finds out Harold put a padlock on the fence surrounding Lot 48, halting her plans for a midnight groundbreaking. Trying to think of a way around this, Leslie tells Anne about her surprise plan. Anne is up for one more crazy caper with Leslie and insists they do whatever they need to do for the groundbreaking to take place. They're not going to take no for an answer. No, not even going to take nope for an answer. That's correct. What will happen? Will this be Leslie and Anne's last crazy caper together? Does the groundbreaking of Pawnee Commons take place as planned? How does Leslie make Lot 48 raccoon safe? Stay tuned to find out dot, dot, dot. Nice job. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how to do this now. Like, I don't know when to give you my titles because I don't know what I'm giving titles for yet. Because, so, you know, I got the cheat sheet from the judges. And since there were only two stories. So let me let me let me make a suggestion. Yeah. Let me go through my three yeah. and then you and then try tell to you which two are correct. map whatever you have over there. Let's do it that way. Whatever garbage you have over there, you'll map to my <laughs> stuff. All right. So that's the A story. All right. So the B story, so? A story, I, I I spent whatever um, uh, creative karma uh, I had. And now this is just like, okay, here it is. So the B story's title is Perfect Gift for Chris. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's functional and that's about it. We're lined up so far. Okay. As the guys help Chris pack up the last of his things, they notice several boxes with their names on them, which Chris reveals are buddy boxes. His gift to each of the guys, with each one containing a memento symbolizing Chris's friendship with each of them. They open up the boxes to find very heartfelt, thoughtful gifts. Clearly, the guys were not prepared for such a meaningful exchange. They got him a gift card to the awesome store Pots and Pans. Alan, I love that one. I love um, that. And, and they try to come up with something better over the course of the evening. How will this turn out? Do the guys succeed with their gift attempt or do they continue to suck? What was within everybody's buddy box? Can Ben come up with one final idea that will be meaningful to Chris? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just so curious now. What is the C story? 
All right, so so to, to recap, so this makes sense. Breaking ground is hard. So that's about yeah. breaking ground. I, I specific, see what you did, I think. Specifically. Yeah, yeah. And, and that one is like more the Anne Leslie April triad. Sure. The B story is the guys. Yep. C story, everything else. Which I just said the title of it saying goodbye. Okay. Because you got lots of pairings. I don't want to spoil it, but you got lots yeah, of yeah. pairings all the time. Okay. Yeah. So C story saying goodbye. It is Anne and Chris's last day in Pawnee. And Leslie organized a huge going away party so they can enjoy one last occasion with them. At the party, Leslie explains, because she doesn't know when she'll see Anne again, the party's theme is a celebration of freaking everything that's going to be in the coming year. Throughout the night, both Anne and Chris get around to all their friends to say a personal thank you and goodbye. What will happen? What are all the things celebrated by Leslie's farewell extravaganza? Does everyone get a chance to say goodbye to Anne and Chris? Is this really the end of an era? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell. Dot dot dot. All right, nice job. I'll give you that. Um, Wait, the, do the the, the judges? The, 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 they went. Sl- Bing. You said that you will give it to me. So it's not oh, official. You, you want, well, I did it earlier on accident. Okay. I see how you are. I feel mollified. Right. Fair enough. I like that. So, so. so the judges and I, we looked at it and said, basically, look, you know, this is this episode's titled Anne and Chris. It is. The A story is about saying goodbye to Anne. The B story is about saying goodbye to Chris. Um, yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah. There's, there's all kinds of things that happen along the way. And this episode had... Fewer scenes than most, which is kind of ironic given how many crazy groupings there are in here, which I I know you'll walk us through. So um, anyway, we kept it simple. Our A story. So by by the way, Mark, the theme this week was uh, failed book titles. Uh They were later edited to the titles we know and love. So first drafts. First drafts, Mm -hmm. yes. So Ernest Hemingway's first draft of uh, Farewell to Arms was actually titled, Mark, A Farewell to Anne's. Oh, yeah. He was great in the black hole. He really. <laughs> Not as Ernest Borgnine. I I'm think sorry. that might be Ernest Borgnine. Yes, he was. He's great, too. He, he is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Ernest, not quite as good a writer. No, he was actually better, I think, honestly, in SpongeBob. So <laughs> I love that Ernest Borgnine was in SpongeBob. That's yeah. the best thing ever. Yeah, it might yeah. be. So the B story and again, you know, this is where the guys are trying to give the gift. Well, there's right. a famous Shel Silverstein book that, you know, many, many children have read, The Giving Tree. Mm. Well, the original title, Mark, was The Giving Tree That Sucks because <laughs> they just couldn't get the gift right. <laughs> so in the second draft, it was about apples and other that's stuff. That's a much, so. the second draft, much, much superior. Much better. Good for yes. them. Yeah. That's why you need wow. a second draft. Never go with just your first no, draft. No, God, no. That's the thing I learned. Well, hey, Mark, uh, nice job on their uh, synopses. And uh, so we were a little different there, but basically we were the same. That's right. Yeah. yeah different, but the same. I've always said that. You've always said that. Mm. Yeah. So uh, let's see how we did our AKAs. Maybe we did the same AKA. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Well, let's find out. The dot, dot, dot. Um, well, my my AKA, which we do because we're much better than NBC, you know. Sure. Uh, my man crush, Ron Swanson, uh, he had actually a lot of choices for for quotes in this episode and I, I ended up picking one that i thought was funny with a little bit of wisdom to it 
Hmm. When, when he's obviously this is a kind of a bittersweet uh, sure. uh, thing because of the whole goodbye thing. You yeah, know? yeah. And so Ron at one point says, there has never been a sadness that can't be cured by breakfast food. It's a classic. It's a meme. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it out there. It's good. Yeah. I like it. It's delicious. He's not you wrong have? either. No, no, no. So I, I, I did one for the A story. I did one for the B story. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I know we're only supposed to do one, but I couldn't help myself this I week. know. So uh, there's a point where Anne says to Leslie, nope, you've out-noped yourself. I like that. I thought that was pretty apropos. Yeah. And then there's a piece of this next quote I won't say because it's a bit of a spoiler. Mm-hmm. But the second half is Ron saying, keep your tears in your eyes where they belong. Right, so, right. Just thought that was almost t-shirt worth That was my second choice. Was it really? Keep yeah. your tears in your eyes where they belong. Yeah. Because you'll, yeah, yeah, we won't tell them what they'll do. Right. Yeah. That kind of spoils the thing at the end. So. Yeah. It does spoils the thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's not spoil anything. No. Actually, let's get into the breakdown. All right. Let's break it down. We start off with the cold open, a very good place to start. And we start off at uh, City Hall in the bullpen, which is apropos. We see Leslie on the phone with someone, apparently planning Anne's farewell party with her shall we say, usual level of energy. Hey, Constantine buddy, play our first clip, please. Thanks. What do you mean you can't? Look, I am throwing a farewell party for my best friend, Ann Perkins, and if she casually mentioned three years ago that she thought indoor fireworks would be cool, then guess what? You're gonna give me indoor fireworks. Tonight's biggest surprise is five years in the making. It all goes back to when I first met my best friend. I'm here to talk about the abandoned lot on Sullivan Street. I've been trying to get this thing fixed for months, and it's government-owned, and you need to do something about it. I will help you. Is that a promise? It's more than a promise. It's a pinky promise. Mm. That promise launched a friendship so grand, it takes 103 scrapbooks to capture it. <laughs> I have secretly arranged to officially break ground on Pawnee Commons at midnight, fulfilling my pinky promise that I made five years ago. Oh, ice cream sandwich taste test. That was our biggest fight. Hey, no. Harold. You're breaking ground on the Pawnee Commons tonight? Public Works never signed off on that. Look, your office was giving me a hard time, so I had to call in a few favors. I don't like it when people go over my head. Understood. I will make a note of that. Would you like a treat? I run that department. I do not appreciate. Mm. Damn, that's really good. Right? There's going to be a lot of these at the party. You should come I by. Know, I, I get it. I know what you're doing. And I still... Is there a little crunch in there? Hazelnut. Ooh. Ooh, right? See you tonight. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go set up this party. April, thank you. I know you may tease Anne, but deep down inside, I can tell that you really care. Anne's leaving town. Anne's saying painful goodbyes to loved ones. Greatest day of my life. <laughs> there we go. There it is. April's happy. It's interesting the things that make April happy. <laughs> yeah. Blood. Potato bugs. And leaving. And leaving. Yeah. All in the same category. Yeah. I'd call that one plot relevant, Mark. I, I I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You even get to meet Harold in that one. Yeah. Well, Mark, following the cold open, we kick off the main episode with Chris doing some packing with a little help from his friends. And as it turns out, Leslie is not the only thoughtful gift giver in the group of friends and colleagues, or Mark, as I like to call them, frolics. Mm. Yeah. Is that what you like to call them? Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Well, we now cut to Anne's house, although 
I guess it won't be Anne's house much longer. Not much longer. Where we see the guys in this context, Tom, Jerry, Ron, Andy, and Ben, helping to move some nondescript brown packing boxes for Chris. When the guys notice some boxes with their names on them, Chris tells them that they found their buddy boxes, with each one containing a memento of Chris's relationship with that person. So the guys open them to find, for Ron, a bronzed hamburger from their classic turkey versus beef cook-off. I remember, I remember that. that. Yeah. Ben, a 2008 Indiana State Audit Spreadsheets, when Ben, in Chris's words, went from being an auditor to a legend. Andy, uh, a very nice poster from the Farewell Little Sebastian concert Aww. featuring Mouse Rat. Yeah. Jerry, a picture of him officiating Leslie and Ben's wedding. You can almost see Jerry's head. <laughs> Love it. And then Tom, a bottle of snake juice, Tom, which Tom was really pleased about because he thought the FDA had destroyed, uh, them did, all. Did yeah. destroyed all of them. Yeah. But um, apparently he got hold of one. So the guys are all very appreciative of these obviously well thought out gifts, but were perhaps a little unprepared for them. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, we'll certainly see in a minute. I love Chris uh, clarifying, you know, the whole snake juice thing. He says, well, he did have to go to a very seedy location to find it. Right. But at least now he knows where to go to place a bet on horse. Fighting. Yeah. You need a good horse fighting guy. Wow. We all do. Oh, Pawnee, Indiana. <laughs> well, Mark, at the event, the big party is kicking off, or should I say parties, plural. And not surprisingly, Leslie has truly outdone herself with the preparation. That's right. There ain't no party like a Leslie Note party because Leslie Note party is actually like 30 or 30 40 parties. parties. Yeah. I don't know, a whole <laughs> bunch. Anyway, yeah, we now cut to the uh, Pawnee Super Suites, which we have oh, sure. been yeah. here many times. Yeah, we have. Uh, the site of Leslie's gigantic farewell party uh, extravaganza that she set up for Anne. And Chris, too, but I think it's primarily it's for, for Anne. For Anne. We see Leslie and April standing together with Leslie reminding April not to give away shh, the Pawnee Commons groundbreaking plan for mm. later. Just then they see Anne walk in and Leslie greets her warmly and is blown away. This is amazing, even by Leslie Nope standards. In a nutshell, it's a celebration of every event that's going to happen this year. So, for example, uh, Anne's birthday, New Year's, Chinese New Year's, Flags Day, that sort of thing. And, Mr. Benny. And, and, and did, <laughs> this is your AKA, in Ann's words, nope, you have out-noped yourself, That's right. which is really saying something. Uh, yeah. I mean, given how much she normally puts into something, to, uh, what was she going to do? It's a high bar. It is a high bar she had set for herself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, back at Ann and Chris's house, it's time for the guys to show exactly how much they appreciate Chris and their thoughtful gifts. Well, okay. It was a gift. Well, I guess it's actually technically just a gift card. I, I'm sorry for spoiling that, but I was just so disappointed in the guys. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 cut back to Ann's house, Ann and Chris's house. I always think of it as Ann's house. I guess it is both of theirs. Well, it won't be for long. That's right. And the gang approaches Chris, led by Ben, and and gives him. I guess you would consider it like their gift to him which is, as you said, actually a gift card from the home store Pots and Pans. Uh, and, and Chris cheerfully thanks them for the great gift. So, you know, he's not like upset about it or anything. And he's like, OK, I'm going to go change for the party. Mark, it's a gift for three pans. He was really in trying to he's ready. He's like on the hunt for some great pots. pots yeah, and it's for pans. But oh. yeah, 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 either way, either way, it's fine. Chris is gracious. Yeah, yeah, he's very gracious. Once Chris leaves the room, the guys start discussing the difference between Chris's ultra thoughtful gifts for them and 
their gift card. I think the guys feel kind of bad, or at least oh, yeah. Ben does. I'd say everyone does, but Ben feels the worst. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Ron doesn't seem to feel too bad. He's nonplussed. That's right. There yeah. you have it. Well, back at the party, Leslie checks in with April, who is on her own assigned mission. And we finally see that one thing is not going according to Leslie's detailed but otherwise successful plan. Yeah, we cut back to the Pawnee Super Suites and we see a couple more things unfold. First, um, you know, all through this, we're seeing like little individual pairings of people as they have their like little moment together to kind of symbolize, yeah. you know, goodbye yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So we see Anne and Donna standing together, having a nice moment. And they say their personal goodbyes to each other and some sweet stuff and some funny stuff. Yeah. Um, and second, as you alluded to, we see Leslie looking for April, not being able to find her when suddenly April calls Leslie's cell phone to tell her there's a problem with their plans for the groundbreaking later on. Specifically, lot 48 has a big fence around it. The fence has a giant padlock on it, and the padlock is being guarded by well, guards, two huge security guards, deducing that it's got to be Harold from Public Works. I hate that, Harold. Uh, that's behind all this. Leslie tells April to come back to the Pawnee Super Suite so they can strategize how to overcome this latest obstacle. I love it. You know, April relays that the sign says no trespassing and, and Leslie says, well, that probably doesn't apply to us. No. And then she says, well, there's actually a sign that says, especially Leslie, nope, common the name. camera pans over. Right. And, right. And Leslie says, oh, that's a very common name. There's that's probably not me. Named... Then there's another sign with a picture of her with a red arrow through it. So, yeah. The little yeah. Ghostbusters. Symbol. The Ghostbusters symbol. Yeah. yeah. As I like to call it. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Well, Mark, across the party floor, at, back at the party, many goodbyes are said and emotions are felt. And the evening planning also continues. This is kind of a big grab bag of a lot of little scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're still at the Pawnee Super Suites and the party is in full force. And as you said, there's there's lots of uh, little mini scenes here and time for like one-on-one -on -one interactions and talking and memories and goodbye. Hey, Constantine, play the clip, sir. Thank you. Leslie can't watch anything with Julie Andrews in it before bedtime because it gets her too hyper. Hmm. Okay. If Chris gets cranky around noon, just stuff some chia seeds into a fig. Works every time. Awesome. Thank you. Wow, we really picked some intense people to spend our lives with, huh? Yeah. Where's Leslie? I haven't seen her in a while. Oh, she's just running around trying to pull off an elaborate, thoughtful surprise for you. Of course. Where's Chris? I told him that one headlight by the wallflowers isn't dancing music, <laughs> and he said, not with that attitude. God, spaz dancing. Of course. My lord. Dude, Anne, you know what I just remembered? We used to date. <laughs> yeah, we lived together for two years. I know. It's crazy, right? Anyways, you're the best. Have fun in Mexico. <laughs> Harold, it is Leslie Nope again. I know you are screening my calls, but if you could call me back. And his voicemail is full. Did you have any luck? Flip through the bylaws. I don't think there's anything I can do. Uh, what is the point of being married to a city manager if he can't wield unfettered power to crush my enemies? Hopefully there are a few other reasons. Yeah. Looks like we hit a wall. Oh, God. <laughs> April? Are you okay? What's happening? I'm just so scared that this means that Anne won't really leave. <laughs> Life, huh? It's quite a ride. Yes, Tom, it is. I got you a going away present. I'm deleting you from my phone. You're finally free, my animal magnetism. <laughs> Maybe one day, years from now, when we're both old and Chris is dead, you'll run into me somewhere. I'll be opening my latest mega club. 
I'll see you there on the street by yourself. I'll tell the bouncer, slash my bodyguard, hey, that woman's way too old to get into this club. But why don't you let her in the back? That's very generous. Stay golden, sweetheart. I'm gonna miss you too, Tosh. <laughs> you're kind and you're thoughtful and you're always such a delight to have around. I am sure you are going to be an incredible mother. Thanks, Larry, that's nice. Goodbye, Anne. I have enjoyed parts of our time together. Oh, oh God, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> that was really something. <laughs> Jerry's crying. <laughs> wow. Jerry said the nicest thing of all. Yeah. It was the least interesting to her. But see, that's what you can do when you're a Swanson is you you say a little bit yeah. and it's like thunder because you don't expect it. That's he did point. use her name. He did say her not name. Not nurse. Nurse or even when he what he call her uh, Sheila wants or something like to just, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what you do to make people think you don't care. That's exactly right. Right, Ted? Exactly. is True. True, Larry. Gary, Jerry, whatever your name is. <laughs> well, continuing at Party Central, the guys have joined the festivities, but that does nothing to improve their gift-giving game. And Anne reminds Leslie of at least one of the lessons she learned from her over the last six years. A little bit later at the Pawnee Super Suites, uh, the guys get together and they try to figure out if they have anything even remotely thoughtful that they can give to Chris. And it doesn't look good, Alan. We have um, from Andy... Uh, City of Pawnee mug. Mm. It's, I mean, not the worst thing. Not spectacular. But not at all. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's something. Maybe the uh, best thing in the group. And a cool jacket that already belongs to Chris, apparently. <laughs> so it's just like stealing his thing and giving, <laughs> giving it to it him. back, yeah. Which, you know, that's a great gift. Um, ben has some old receipts from lunches they had together. Is that anything? Ron has a square, a small square piece of paper with the name Ron written on it. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> all right. When Chris cheerfully walks up and asks what's going on, Andy tells Chris they have a bunch of cool gifts for him and thrusts the plastic bag with oh all God. the stuff into Chris's hands. And Chris goes through the bag, cheerfully noting, oh, assorted items and some pieces of paper. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> Even though it clearly <laughs> sucks, Chris is still cheerful and beams at everybody and thanks them. Somewhere else at the party at that moment, Anne walks up to Leslie in April and asks why Leslie looks so bummed out. Leslie finally tells Anne they were planning a surprise groundbreaking at Pawnee Commons, an actual beginning to the project that freaking brought them together in mm. the first place. But they can't now because Harold from such, Public Works put up a, a jerk fence, face. big jerky jerkerson. He put up a fence and he padlocked it and has guards on top of that. Anne tells Leslie, if there's one thing that Leslie taught her, we do not take no for an answer. Let's do this thing. And with that, Leslie, Ann, and April put their hands in together, give somewhat differing battle cries, and then take off to try and make this thing happen after all. Uh, yeah. Well, Leslie's battle cry is groundbreaking. Yeah. April's is dark forces arise. Yeah, it's a little different. That was also not popular on her third grade volleyball team. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of them liked it. Well, true. Not a lot. You know she was a little Wednesday Adams, though. She had to be. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Well, Leslie and Anne take the fight to Harold's house next, and it turns out that almost everyone can be bought for a price. Freaking Harold. Yeah, we now cut to the home of Harold from Public Works. And we see Leslie and Anne walk up to the front door, and they decide not to ring the doorbell, and instead, ba-boom, just bust in unannounced, which I kind of like. They go to a back room where Harold is playing poker with some friends. 
Leslie and Ann insist, look, we need to get into lot 48. And they ask Harold, what can we do to make things right? And Harold tells them after some deliberation that Sweetums used to stock their office with free sodas as a kind of a promotional thing. And Catherine Pinewood took took them away. So if Leslie and Ann can get the Department of Public Works to have free sodas again from Sweetums like they used to, Ah. a little quid pro quo there, Harold will see to it they can get into lot 48. Wow. Leslie and Ann agree and head off to accomplish the next step. Wow, some fizzy pop. Mm. Super fizzy fruity pop? Super fizzy frizzy pop. No. Close. Super super fizzy fruity pop. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Easy to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Easy for me to say. Meanwhile, back at the super sweets, Chris gets out a few of his goodbyes, and Leslie reconnects with an old enemy before Anne literally connects with her, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a little bit later, we cut back to the Pawnee Super Suites where we see a couple of scenes unfold. First, we see Chris standing with Donna and April, and they're all kind of saying their goodbyes. And Chris thinks of Donna as family. Donna thinks Chris has always been really hot. April tries to guess what Chris is about to say and plays it off like she doesn't care, blah, blah, blah. But when Chris tells her, yes, but I'm also proud of you. April gives Chris a small but genuine smile, and they all come together and hug. Oh, and Donna puts her hand on Chris's butt. Well, that's what happens. Can you blame her? He knew the job was dangerous when he took it. Second, we see Leslie and Anne talking to Catherine Pinewood about public works getting their free sodas back. And instead of negotiating with them, Catherine (laughs) decides to flippantly insult them. Well, she doesn't have time for disgraced former politicians or unmarried pregos. Yeah, yeah, screw you. At this, Anne gets Catherine in a unmarried prego headlock. Oh my God. Tells her if she tries to fight back, she'll sue her. So you you better tell us how to get those sodas right now. And she's like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Sweetums has desperately been trying to get a local celebrity to endorse their new sports drink. If they can make that happen, thumbs up on the free sodas. Wow. Once again, Leslie and Ann agree and head off to accomplish the next step. There's a bit of the theme happening on this one. Yup. I remember we talked with Mary Faber about that headlock. Yeah. Yeah, we did. She she did not remember it initially. <laughs> she must not have squeezed hard enough. Not, not enough. Mm. Well, from there, Leslie and Anne hit the road in search of the best bribe, I mean, spokesperson they can find. And as a bonus, we get to learn a dark secret from Anne's past. That's right. We we now see Leslie and Anne on the hunt for someone to endorse Sweetums' new sports drink. First stop, the home of Pistol Pete DeCilio. Constantine, play the clip, sir. They already tried to get me to endorse that sports drink. I said no. They want me dunking on the label. When is this town going to realize that I'm more than a former high school basketball star? Yeah. I-, I don't think this new sports drink is even about basketball. It's called Sweetums Dunktastic Three-Point B-Ball Blast. <laughs> the slogan is, it's all about basketball. I'm sorry, you're going to have to find yourself some other famous Pawnee <sighs> We know that you were already approached by Sweetums and you said no, but is there any way you would reconsider? I'm sorry, Miss Note. There is such a thing as journalistic integrity and it is something that I have as a journalist with integrity. It's really important, Bird. Please, come on, for old time's sake. Well, the story of that appeal is it was heartfelt and in response to that appeal, I respond, okay. For old time's sake, does that mean... No. 
Anne, you tricky minx. Yep. I went on a date with Purd. What? It was during that explore my freedom as a single woman phase. Wow. We just had a drink. And at the end he said, I am going to kiss you now by putting my mouth on your mouth. <laughs> and then I ran away. It was absolutely the right call. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so if Purd ends up uh, endorsing this, are they still going to call it the, the basketball thing? Um, I think you're going to need a new name. They might call it the fizzy drink you are now drinking. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That actually is a pretty good name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back at the party, the guys brainstorm on a better gift for Chris, but fall short while he gives them and us a lesson in magnanimity. Is that a word? Magnanimity? Is that, I thought that was the X-Men's nemesis. That's Magneto. Oh, close. Yeah. All right. We now cut back to the Pawnee Super Suites, where the guys are discussing how bad they feel about their earlier lame attempt at gift giving. When Chris cheerfully walks up to them, wearing a JFK mask, no less, um, Ben tells Chris how bad they feel. And Chris tells them he doesn't need anything from them. His buddy boxes are about the past, but he wants to focus on the future because they'll always be friends. And the fact they feel bad about their, they call it a bag of nothing. The bag of um, nothing. Proves that. And then Ben quietly leans over to Ron and tells him, I have an idea. And Ron looks at him with raised eyebrows. Hmm. I thought it was interesting that that Larry Gary Jerry said, uh, you know, we could just tell him the truth that we feel bad. And then right. Tom says the truth. That's hilarious. We get a bit of old Tom here for a minute. Right. Right. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't know, Alan. I, I don't mind if old Tom comes back to visit briefly. Mm. I just don't want him to live here. That's fair. Also, I don't like it when he like overtly affects others in some huge way. But if he just wants to be a tad obnoxious, meh. All right, I'll deal with it. He even wanted to do the crying routine, <laughs> you know, which is Chrissy had a gun. <laughs> which, all right, you know what? It's something. There are worse things. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark, Leslie, and Anne now have their spokesperson in hand, and it's now time for Harold and Leslie to exchange proof for keys. That's right. So we now cut back to Harold's house. Where apparently, ba-boom, Leslie and Anne have busted in unannounced for the second time that night. Don't they it, ever knock? They don't knock. Um, the girls tell Harold they got purred happily to sign on with Sweetums as a spokesperson for their sports drink. Public Works will get their free sodas back. Everything's here in writing. Now let us into the damn lot. <laughs> Harold grudgingly relents, telling them they are a real pain in the ass, which the women take as a compliment, and then they leave. As they should. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moving over to lot 48, Anne and April find a private moment to exchange their goodbyes as Leslie tries to track down, you know, her ribbon guy. I'm just guessing he's probably in bed. He probably is. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we now cut to lot 48 where we now see Leslie, Anne, and April opening the previously padlocked gate with no guards in sight. Leslie tells April and Anne she's going to call the official ceremonial ribbon cutting guy for what it's worth and then turns on a flashlight and waves it around and hisses loudly, which is apparently so the raccoons will leave them alone. Well, sure, yeah. As Leslie wanders off to make the immediate vicinity raccoon safe, um, Anne and April engage in typical small talk for them, meaning Anne says heartfelt, sincere, charming things and April is snarky and a bit mean. When Anne tells April she's happy Andy married her, April asks her why. And Anne tells her very simply, because I love him and I love you. Why wouldn't I be happy? <laughs> this prompts April in a very quiet, mumbling, embarrassed voice to say, 
I love you too. Mm-hmm. At first, Anne plays the I couldn't quite hear that game with April, but then says as her going away <laughs> present to April, she won't make her audibly say that she loves her. Nice. April then gives Anne a big hug that lasts several seconds. A really nice moment. Until April sees Leslie coming back and then pushes Anne away and tells her, get off me, wench. (laughs) Hey, you can't have everything. You can't have everything. Nope. I think Leslie knows she just missed a nice moment. Yes. Yeah, she did not fool her. Well, as we begin another multi-part kicker, it's early in the new day, but the guys are able to rally around Ben's gift idea and catch Chris just before his first run of the day. That's right. It's now very, very early the next morning. It's still very dark out. Yeah, it just beat the sun run. And we cut to Anne's house. Not for long. And we see all the guys ring the doorbell with Chris answering the door while wearing a headlamp. Constantine, play the clip. <laughs> guys, what are you doing here? Come in. You caught me before my first run of the day. I call it my beat the sun run. It's a race between me and the sun. Well, we got one more gift for you. It's quarter sawn zebra wood joined by floating tenons to the black walnut corner posts. Finished with a wiping varnish that's a secret Swanson family recipe. Handmade at my wood shop, and you are correct. It is gorgeous. You're starting a new life with your new family, so it's an empty buddy box to fill with memories for your little buddy. Or Twizzlers. That's (laughs) the beautiful thing about a box. Mm. We all burned our initials in, see? Wait a minute, who's G-J-L-G-G? That's Gary, Jerry, Larry, Gergich, Gengerch. <laughs> I burned in all my names. I really, I didn't know what to do. Well, um, thank you. Um, this tear, um, caused by the overwhelming thoughtfulness of my friends will be my baby's first memory. Salt water will warp the wood, so keep your tears in your eyes where they belong. <laughs> we'll do, Ron Swanson. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's classic, Ron. Yeah, the, the, love it. the only visual there um, that didn't necessarily translate completely is, you know, Tom tells Chris, we burned all of our initials in the box. Right. He opens the box, and on the inside of the lid, yeah. we see RS, yeah. Ron Swanson, yeah. AD, Andy yeah. Dwyer, T.H. Tom Haverford, sure. B.W. Ben Wyatt, yeah. and then G.J.L.G.G., which <laughs> they just explained. I love that one of our tropes is oh, yeah. Gary, Larry, J- and that yeah. like this is literally that. It's literally that. Yeah. Yes, and Perkins. Literally and Perkins. Yep. Well, Mark, even without an official ribbon or a giant scissors, Leslie and Anne take a moment to celebrate the future of Lot Forty Eight, but mostly reflect on the road that got them here. Yeah, we now go from the guys inside of Anne's house to Leslie and Anne outside. Yeah, they're like 80 feet away. That's right. We're now at Lot 48, literally adjacent to Anne's house. Formerly known as the Sullivan Street Pit, now about to become Pawnee Commons and central to the main story arc of the entire series. In a scene very reminiscent of the finales for both season one and season two, We see Leslie and Anne sitting on a bench in the dark, talking, reminiscing, and enjoying each other's company one last time before Anne leaves. Constantine, play the clip, sir. Oh, I managed to fit a hundred of the scrapbooks into the van. 
I left the last three in your office, so I guess I'll just have to drive back someday soon and pick them up. Classic leave behind. Can I still call you when I have thoughts on Jennifer Aniston's future? Not if I call you first. But can we still be on the phone for every State of the Union address and every Oscar red carpet coverage and every single viewing of Tootsie? Of course. The truth is, you're gonna be fine. I don't know about me. If I hadn't met you at that town hall meeting, I don't know what my life would have been like. I would have been in a dead-end relationship, working overtime at the hospital. I mean, even my hair's improved. Well, that style just frames your face so much better. I know. Thank you. You're welcome. Being away from you is going to be really, really hard. But I am going to take some Leslie Nope spirit with me to Michigan. I joined a community improvement group, and there's a dirty abandoned lot by my mom's house, and it is going to get noped hard. Oh, Ann Perkins, you perfect sunflower. <laughs> you totally changed me, you know? You taught me how to balance my life, how to be patient. How to be more patient? Yeah, that's better. How to throw bureaucratic caution to the wind when it came to Ben. But most importantly, it taught me that I can't pull off a tulip skirt. It's just not your shape. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think this ceremonial ribbon-cutting guy is going to make it. Either he flaked or he tripped and impaled himself on his own giant scissors. <laughs> we wait for no man. Let's do this. The hats now say kick ass rather than kick ass. Oh, good call. Yeah. One, One two, two, three. three. Oh. Woo! 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 <laughs> all right, I got my part. That's all I wanted from you. Friendship over. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even joke about that, Anne. <laughs> I like that. Market, you might have heard some variation in the quality of the audio in that clip, and it's because we played basically the deleted scene there, which is a little longer than the canon version of roughly the same scene. Right. Uh, where I think the diff big difference is we get a little bit more of Anne's, Anne worrying about leaving and what's going to happen to her, and then um, kind of that homage that she's already said what she's going to do in Michigan based right. on what she learned from Leslie. So, yeah, I like that version. I, I like that a lot. I mean, this is this is not to be schmaltzy about it, but this is the final hurrah. This yeah. is Leslie and Ann's last little Leslie Ann moment. And I, I like that it can be extended and a little bit more heartfelt. I, I think they did a good job with that. You know, Alan, I, I also wanted to mention I, I, I like the homage back to season one and season two, which both seasons ended with uh, two characters sitting on a bench in the dark. It yep. was... Um, at the end of season one, it was at the Sullivan Street pit. And at the end of season two, it was lot 48 at that yeah. point. But but still, a nice callback. Well, um, the thing that's consistent is the bench. Right. It is right. the same bench, literally in Perkins. And there, there are two people and they're yeah. in the dark yeah. and they're having like a, a, a meaningful conversation, right. blah, blah, blah. 
The other thing that I like about this, this is just a small little throwaway, but I, I, I like how they can refer back to things that have happened is the callback that they made to season two, episode seven, Kaboom. Oh, right. Where Leslie decided to act on her own and fill in the Sullivan Street pit and turn it into Lot 48. Like Leslie said, at that point, she also got two helmets for her and Anne. But instead of kick ass, one helmet said kick and the other helmet said ass. Yes. A nice sentiment. But when you read them separately, <laughs> loses a little bit of much. If I yeah. remember right, Anne said, I'll choose kick. <laughs> <laughs> She's always been the smart one, Ann Perkins. Yep. Yeah. Well, Mark finally back at the house, soon to formally be known as Ann's house, uh-huh. that one. So we, now we got Tref Cab. Yeah. And we're we're going to need an acronym for this one. Yeah, we'll get our scientists here yeah. right, on the on the Get them on that. Yeah. Yes. Well, the sun is finally up. The car is packed and it's time for the last round of goodbyes and yet another perfect Tom Petty song. Yep. For our final scene, we cut to the street in front of Ann's house, which I guess will soon not be Ann's house. We see Chris closing the back door of the Lurpus Midwest Moving Company truck with Ben by his side. Everybody is there to properly see Ann and Chris off. Constantine, do the honors, buddy. Play us out. It was your idea to get me that box. Uh, It was a group effort. But it had that trademark Ben Wyatt mix of thoughtful and resourceful. You're literally the best friend that I will ever have. You too, man. Leslie Nope. Chris Traeger. I just want to say that getting to know you and watching you work has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. That and working with Dr. Richard Neifer. Sure. And I just want you to know that I thought there was no man on earth good enough for Ann Perkins. And I still think that. Right. But (laughs) if there is no one actually good enough for her, you are pretty damn close. (sighs) Okay, well, this is normal. No big deal. Drive safe. We will. I packed you some sandwiches and some caffeine-free iced tea. So, oh, and there's a mix CD that I made already loaded in your car. There's a lot of Sarah McLaughlin. So, Chris, I apologize. Things are going to get emotional. (laughs) I love you. I love you, too. Breakfast? Nope. Oh, I don't know. Come on. There has never been a sadness that can't be cured by breakfast food. That's fair. Someone else is going to have to drive, though. My eyes are basically useless right now. I'm on it. Shotgun! I call shotgun. You're all nailed. I call sitting on your lap. You can't. Double shotgun. We call double shotgun. How come people don't do that more often? It's illegal. Raise your hand if you want waffles. I'm eating waffles. Bacon and eggs, please and thank you. Somewhere you feel free. Fade to black. Fade to black. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. That was a that was a great ending. I want to talk about the ending. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, Mark, let's do this then. Let's take a quick break. We'll get our notes together. We'll come back and we'll talk about the ending. Absolutely, man. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. 
Are you a member of a group that needs a place to meet with accommodations for anywhere from 20 to 200 people? Would you like to be able to utilize a room named after a Pawnee celebrity such as the Calamezzo Ballroom or Happily Hall? If so, then the Pawnee Super Suites Hotel slash Motel may be just what you need. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Located at 380 Drexel Avenue in Greater Pawnee, the Pawnee Super Suites provides reasonably priced accommodations with free, over-the-air, broadcast television and beautiful views of Eastern Drexel Avenue. If you've been to the Super Suites before, don't let that stop you. I will now read an official prepared statement from the newest management team. Quote, for our overnight hotel and motel guests, we are happy to report that many of our exterior room doors can now, in fact, be successfully locked for privacy. Our cleaning staff may not be the friendliest, per se, but they almost always do their appointed job. Our pool now features such improvements as chlorine and security cameras. Be sure to make use of our famous and wonderfully random wake-up calls you never know who's going to call or when. For our corporate and conference clients, our meeting and banquet rooms have recently been upgraded with the most luxurious seating that $8 per chair could buy from Larry's Chair Emporium. Enjoy presentations from semi-famous regional celebrities over our almost state-of-the-art AV equipment in plush meeting rooms with delightfully unstable temperatures. Finally, Enjoy eclectic cuisines from such exotic locales as Brazil, Indiana, Portland, Indiana, Alexandria, Indiana, and Lebanon, Indiana. With accoutrements like these, the Pawnee Super Suites has firmly established itself as a viable choice when you just need someplace good enough. End quote. Be sure to tell them Ron sent you and receive a free 13-ounce spray can of Bed Bugs Be Gone at check-in to use at your leisure, and for no other reasons. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, at this point, we would normally talk about deleted scenes, but today we only had one, and we actually played it. Yep. So I think it's worth mentioning that uh, we talked about why we like that clip. You know, that was roughly two minutes and 43 seconds. The canon edition of that scene, which I think we both lettered P, was one minute and 13 seconds. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's over a full minute, almost basically a minute and a half longer what we actually played. And, you know, I, I think it was worth playing. I think it was the right call today. I, I, I agree. I mean, with with an episode like this, I'm actually a little surprised they didn't make a producer's cut and include that in there. But, yeah. you know, we did it for them. We did it for them. Yeah. So there you go. The other thing we'll do today that uh, I think is honors this episode is that the cast and the DVD extras took a moment to say goodbye. And it's, this is the thing, if you've ever seen as a person leaves a show, typically they do a wrap for that person. They right. have a little call out, sometimes a cake. It depends on the impact of that person's role in the production. But in this case, you're talking, you know, Chris, uh, or what's his name in real life? Rob Lowe? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Sounds right. And Rashida Jones. And that's pretty big in this yeah. case. Yeah, they're, they both, uh, I was going to say, been there from the beginning. Not quite right. It feels like Chris has, even though he hasn't. Right. Came in in season two to kind of save it, so to speak. Uh, but Rashida certainly there from the beginning. Well, and and 
they didn't think Chris was going to be there for more than the first six episodes That's of season true. three. And we, and then yes, they made the decision the to keep them on. Yes, yep. absolutely. I think Rashida is officially leaving this point to go write, uh, co-write Ghostbusters, uh, the female version. Oh yeah. Mistaken. Um, but you know, I don't know why Chris left except that the storyline left mm. him and Anne together. So it would have been awkward for him to stay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, let's play a real quick, uh, clip of this. It's not very long, just about a minute or so. And, uh, We'll, uh, we'll get to be there like we are a fly on the wall. Yep. Let's right. do it. Final rap, unfortunately, on our lovely Rashida Jones from Parks and Rec. Rashida Jones can do comedy. She can do drama. She can do romance. She can even do action. There just aren't that many people in the world who can do what Rashida Jones can do. every single one of you and have had the best memories of my life and I will never forget it and I'm going to be back real soon so it doesn't really matter. Thank you guys for this. This is a Parks and Recreation wrap on our lovely Rob Lowe. I, I marveled as a writer and as an editor and as a showrunner that there was never a moment where Rob Lowe was not in the moment. Um, it's a very special thing, it's a very rare thing, and it made this character come to life. And I will be forever grateful to you for that. This has been the most fun uh, I've ever had in anything I've ever done. This is the most lovely, talented, committed, most spirited, generous group of people I've ever worked with. And I will miss you all so much. And it, it has been an honor to, to be invited to the party and um, film us forever. Thank God. Yay! There you go, Mark. Very nice. Yeah, I like that. I like that. There are a few things that are visual you couldn't see. Like in Rashida's goodbye, she's sitting in Ben's Game of Thrones chair, <laughs> which is terrific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I love the the kiss that uh, Nick Offerman gives Rob Lowe on the lips yeah. as he presents him back with the uh, you know the goodbye box naturally. So naturally, yeah, yeah. I love the, it the beautiful box that it is. Yeah, yeah, those are nice extras. Those are very nice extras. So I thought that was uh, nice to play that out, play out those characters, and uh, let's get into we'll get in our score in a minute. But let's first let's do our tropes first and fun facts. What did you get this week? I had quite a list. All right. Well, first um, we first learned that Anne went on a date with Pert Apple. Yep. Crazy. Um, we, I missed that by the way. So good catch. <laughs> we, uh, we, I think this is right. Tell me if I'm wrong. We, we first have April tell Anne she loves her, although virtually inaudibly. And also the first time that April gives Anne a hug. I had the first one, but not the second one, but you're right. Gotcha. Both those things are true. Uh, first time, uh, ground is broken on Pawnee comments. Yep. Had that one. Um, I said this is kind of a cheap one, but I said it's the first time that we've had uh, two people sitting on the bench at the pit slash lot 48 since the season two finale where it was done for the second time yeah. by Mark Brendanowitz and Leslie Nope. Yeah, it's true. And also the first time that we've said goodbye to a cast member that lasted for more than two seasons. That, Sorry, that Paul a good first. Yeah, good catch. Yeah, absolutely. Nice job. That's a good list of firsts. And sometimes we struggle for any. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I did not have any in addition to that. I've got a much longer list of tropes. How about you? I have a decent list. Um, I have a punching bag, Jerry. Yes. I have a uh, Jerry, Gary, Larry, Lenny, like literally this time engraved on the box. Yes, love it. Um, I always say fun with names just because of that, but there might be a couple other things as well. There were a few other um, character names that were a little twisty. Um, I had a Orin is creepy. I missed Orin. <laughs> um, mugs to the camera. I think there were some. I, I realized I put that down. I didn't put who I put that down. Oh, for. April big time. Was Yeah, was April yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Chris says literally. Although I, it was interesting. Chris did not say Ann Perkins in this not episode. This time. He did say literally. Yeah. And the last time he says literally, he used it without hyperbole. You are literally the best friend I will ever have to, to Ben Wyatt, which nice. I thought was sweet. Yeah. A lot of sweet, stupid Andy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You know what I remembered? We used to date. Anyway, you're the best. Have fun in Mexico. <laughs> it's an M. Oh, my God. It also begins with M. Um, ben and Chris are friends. Uh, Leslie loves Anne. Leslie and compliments. Pawnee raccoon infestation. Mm. Uh, the pit. The pit project that pit. started all yeah. this. Uh, woodworking Ron. Nice. Food-driven food driven Ron. Yeah, got that one. Breakfast food solves everything. Yeah. And finally, Lousy with Lurpuses, the Lurpus Midwest Moving Company. Yeah. I'm done. Nice. what I miss? Uh, my other my other food-driven Ron reference was the trophy from mm. the hamburger eating contest. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. thought that qualified as well. Nice. Um, I definitely, the sweet, stupid Andes. Oh, my God. The Kennedys, the Twizzlers. Uh, anyway. Um, I had the return of uh, Orrin, uh, which you said. I Then I had the return of Pistol Pete. Uh, kind of a return for Purd. He didn't go away as long as anybody else, but it's been a minute since we've seen Orrin or Pete, for That's sure. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And this is uh, Pistol Pete, uh, played by the great Tuck Watkins, uh, his final appearance as, Pistol, as uh, Pete Basilio. And uh, we didn't mention it earlier in the show, Mark, but we had a chance to talk with Tuck Watkins. That's right. And uh, I think we're going to play a couple of those clips on the show today after we wrap up with Scorch. Awesome. Nice. Good job. Um, also on my list, I had uh, Leslie is power tripping again because and she literally said it this time, which I, one or both of us might comment on in our scores about how what good is it to be married to the city manager if you can't use it to crush your enemies? Yeah, I looked at it a little bit differently because it's one thing to just say something offhandedly. Yeah. It's another to like double down on it and actually do it. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. That's a good point. But her head went there. And I think that's it interesting. Did. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I don't think we've ever had this one. I said, Chris is a politician. And what I meant by that is you can see the way he handles the guys, for example. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I said his magnanimity or however you say that word. Yeah. Magnanimity, that one. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, he's just he's got that polish. No other character on this show, including Leslie, is as good a politician as Chris. And I thought that was kind of worth mentioning that, at least my thought on it, as we say goodbye to Chris. I guess that's probably true. Um, Chris is not great at confrontations because no. they usually let Ben play, you of know, course. good He's cop, Ben cop. Way, yeah. Um, so I can see how he could spend a lot of effort trying to be nice to people or I don't know if it's getting people to like him, but yeah. like getting on their good side. You're yeah. probably right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he he knows how to work a, a room. Let's just put it that way. I'd agree with that. Uh, I said it's the return of the multi-part kicker. We uh, kind of a trope of a, of a structured trope anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you did say Leslie Ann compliments, right? I think yes. I heard you say that one. 
so I only had a few others. I said, uh, the bench is back. Um, music, use of music, which we haven't seen in a while and always effective. I think that always gets us right in the, the place. That's true. We had that in the last episode. Uh, yeah, we did it in the last episode. But then I think before that, it was probably all the way back to season, I don't know, three or four. Um, did you get lousy with Lurpuses today? Yeah. And then the last one I had was uh, the crane shot. Very so, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's always, again, especially when paired with the Tom Petty song, just seems to always work, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. So nice job. Um, I had one goof and I didn't see any online. I, I did this one. You might have seen me rewind there when we finished up. A lot of front license plates, all the cars. Mm. Indiana does not require a front license plate. Interesting. So, you know, they get a lot of those small details right. Yeah, they do. They didn't get that one right, but you know, you can kind of forgive them. Does, doesn't thing. affect the episode really, but but still interesting observation. I agree. Someone can tell me that they already have their Michigan plates on there, and then they'd probably, you know, I'll just let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, see, that's what it was. Perfect. That, perfect. That's it. That's no goof. Exactly right. No goof. Forget all the other cars in the street that are also wrong. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Mark, any fun facts for you this week? I just have one. Leslie had mentioned offhandedly that she made Anne 103 scrapbooks. Uh, and yeah. I think that the main reason they included the number 103 is that this is, I believe, the 103rd uh, episode in the series. Very nice. Yeah, that's great. I love those little details as well. All right. Well, nice job on those, Mark. Let's uh, let's jump into our scores. That's all we got left. All right. I'm doing it, man. Um, I didn't know how to split this one up, so... The MVP goes to the writers. They're the writer. I mean, mm -hmm. I'll give it to Alicia Marar. And I mean, Michael, sure, in indirectly. Yeah, I but, think so. but Aisha, I say to Alicia, Aisha Marar, you did a fantastic job with this. It's, it's hard to do a proper goodbye episode mm. without seeming overly schmaltzy, yeah. but while still giving proper respect to the characters and their journeys and nice. what they mean yeah. to each other. And I thought that, that Aisha walked this line like a master typewriter artist. I just very, very well done. Um, I know usually I blather on and on about this. I have a few things to say, but there's, there's only so much that I can say about Ann and Chris. This, this episode, while perhaps not as like, pure haha -ha funny mm -hmm. as for me anyway like as the last episode was i right. know i said with farmer's market it was like holy crap yeah. there's so many that just laugh Stand out loud out, moments yeah. and, and even though even so it still had several laugh out loud moments sure. and delivered solid comedy but i feel like the true power of this episode didn't line the storylines or the comedy it was the way that Aisha masterfully tugged on our heartstrings as we said goodbye to Ian and Chris from Tom Petty's wildflowers softly playing mm -hmm. in the background to the awesome crane shot at the end yeah. where we rise up into the sky and we see the, the entire Pawnee street next to Ann's house along with the glorious skyline. This for me is the essence of bittersweet, the sad, but also fulfilled like ending on a note of happy hopefulness as always, the heartbeat of this show is the characters and giving all the pairings that we could hope for as goodbyes alternated between funny and sweet. This episode delivered big time. Yeah. Um, 
The only thought I had is um, I, I thought that they did a, a good enough job with the plots. I didn't think that was like the quote strength of this episode. The plots were fine. Um, finding perfect gift. It's been done lots of times before. If for no other reason than Leslie is like the master gift giver. And so right. that's not exactly uh, new uh, ground, uh, yeah. new ground yeah. but I, th- I thought it still worked. I thought it was comfortable that, old ground. That's a, that's a, only a minor I wouldn't even call it hardly a nitpick, maybe just an observation that some people could per, perceive as a nitpick. Um, that they might have gone a different way. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, fair. Okay. Not bad. All right. All right. That's all I got to say. On to the crazy Mark rubric. All right, let's do it. All right. I'm going to give this a four base score. And I know after all the praise I just lumped on there, that probably seems low. But as I've said, the power of this episode is not for me in the storylines or the plot. It's still, they're very respectable. They're good and worth definitely worth at least a 4.0 here. So four for the base score. I'm going to give half a point for just a great job overall by the writers uh, walking the tightrope of heartfelt and funny just right, at least for me. I'm going to give uh, one whole point for not only what I thought was a fantastic use of the comedic bench, but also giving opportunities to provide great pairings with all sorts of people to play off each other during this. Um, I'm going to give half a point for the guest stars, too. You got Chris Bauer as Harold, uh, Tut Watkins yeah. as uh, Pistol Pete DeCilio, uh, Mary Faber as Catherine Pinewood, Jay Jackson as Perd Happley, and Eric Eisenhower as Orin. It's creepy in that bunny rabbit costume. Um, I'm going to give half a point for what I call the perfect gift for Chris combo. Although a bit of a reheated plot line, I like seeing their final gift of a new buddy box for Chris for his unborn child. It was very sweet and very fitting as a goodbye gift. I'm going to give one whole point to what I call the Leslie and Ann combo. I love seeing Leslie and Ann go on one more adventure together. Plus the bench homage at lot 48 was perfect. Yep. Not only for Leslie and Ann at that moment, but also as a tip of the hat to the past. I'm going to give one whole point for what I call the individual goodbye combos. Mm. The pairings of each of the characters was done perfectly, giving us that final character interaction and send off that we would expect from a show of parks caliber that focuses so much on the characters and their relationships. Yep. And I'm going to give one final entire point to what I call the final goodbye scene from the musical soundtrack in the background to the crane shot at the end to Anne taking that deep shaky breath in the car before they drove mm-hmm. off. This was done perfectly. Mm-hmm. So you add all those points up, you get 9.5 Little Sebastians. This was one of those episodes where I had to ask myself, is this it? Is Mm -hmm. this a perfect 10? It was close. Not quite. It was real close. Having said that, it's one of my favorite episodes ever. Mm. I will note, for those of you listening out there, if sweet, heartfelt stuff is not your bag, like if you tend to be, uh, let's say, more in the Seinfeld camp, like you just want to get there for the laughs. Yep. I get it. Your, your personal score is going to be lower than mine. But for me, this worked big time. So 9.5 Little Sebastians, Mark's official score. Rock the scuba, Alan. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Well, Mark, for me, I, uh, I'll i start off with my MVPs. I did co-MVPs and I, I, I love what you did. I wish I'd thought of it. But since I didn't, I did the next best thing I'd like <laughs> to believe. And I gave it to Robin Rashida. I mean, because I mean, not yeah. only is it episode in their honor, they couldn't have done it any better. They, they I agree. It was just, 
it was all the and I think in general, the reason I really like this episode is it's a comfortable place we've already been in every possible way. You know, starting with the return of characters we have and haven't seen recently, Orin, Pete, Purd, Catherine, you know, I mean, it's just it's, you know, and uh, we got introduced to Harold. First time we've met Harold. So right. it's a little bit interesting that they introduced a brand new person, but I didn't hate it. And I thought he did a great job as yeah, well. So I like him. made a good mini nemesis for Leslie for the episode anyway. Um, you know, the tropes that we like and really appreciate the sweet, stupid Andes, um, you know, Chris's thoughtfulness. Um, you know, I think all of those and, and just, you know, the Leslie and Anne relationship and how meaningful that is to both of them, it, it hit all the right heartstrings. Um, I felt like the groupings of kind of the way that uh, Aisha moved everybody around was was really good. And like she set it up to have all these, you know, pairings where these two people get this moment to say goodbye to each other. Or in a case, sometimes there's maybe three people there if it's maybe a little more comedic, but um, all done very well. Like it just was a well crafted episode in terms of the structure. Um, I, for me, this was one of those where I felt two different ways about it. Hmm. I think my the, just watching it and just emoting and feeling the way I feel about the characters and the way I, I think I'm now going to miss Ann and Chris, where at the beginning I was like, what are we doing here? You know, we, we came a long way from there. And now to say goodbye to them, I think we're going to really miss them. And it's going to be interesting to see what and remember what the show did without them afterwards and what that feels like. Um, all of that for me was a nine, nine and a half. And I'm right there with you. Nice. Structurally, however, um, I had a couple nitpicks that made me give the score ultimately nine little Sebastians. Mm. I felt like the return of that version of Tom, like I like the way you said it, but it still bothered me like that. He I went there that quickly. And so in a lot of ways, the things we like about these and we, you know, we call them tropes and tropes is usually a thing that's a negative. I think we try to use tropes as our positive, the thing that right. kind of grounds us in the show that we know and love. There are bad tropes, too, in this show and pimping Tom, yeah. you know, looking out for himself, Tom, Leslie, the steamroller, Leslie, the steamroller. And it had some of that as well. I mean, I think there was enough there that it, those were moments that took away from the overall experience. I just wish they hadn't been there. Hmm. Um, but in general, I felt like this is definitely one of the best episodes of season five, season six. What season are we in now, Mark? We're in season six, which is hard to believe. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I really like this episode. And um, I had honestly forgotten about the end, the car scene. You know, I, I had to leave the room for a minute. This is going to say, yeah, it's probably the combination of Tom Petty, the crane shot, them crying. And I just felt like in general, even going down to the individual goodbyes, all the moments are very real. Yeah. And, and you know what? Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're touching. They don't always feel like a moment I'd have in real life. These did. Right. And I thought that was what made this particular episode exceptional. So. I would agree with it, that. So again, I, I, I'm i of two minds here. Let's just round it. Let's go with the nine and a half. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I think that's the so, right one. So the archivist can put my official score as a nine and a half. <laughs> I like that. You know, I was thinking, uh, I, I agree that, um, you know, Ann Perkins and, uh, and, and Chris Traeger as characters on the show, 
I love Rob Lowe and Rashida Jones. Sometimes I think the show didn't know exactly what to do with them. So, so they didn't always have the most engaging storylines or when we're, or, you know, like when they were getting together, maybe it could have been a little bit more fleshed out. So I think we were over that a little bit. Um, but, but you made this comment, I think in the last episode, maybe even before that, that, that it, it only seems fitting that they're giving us like the, the best Anne and the best Chris, yeah. that they can give us yeah. so that when they leave that we're going to be like, Oh man, I, yeah. I really liked them. And I was thinking back, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I personally felt about Mark Brindanowitz. Mm. I know for a long time we were like this, he's a little dull. Yeah. Like I wish they'd give him just a yeah. little bit more personality or a little bit more. The time. And yeah. then as we got to the end of season two, I said, I'm starting to like him. I know. I'm starting to like yeah. him. I mean, I, I'm not saying like it was just like stellar over the moon, but yeah. I like I actually was starting to like him as a character. Like I started to feel where he was coming from, blah, 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 just in time for him to leave. Which which was like, yeah, it's like too little too late. Yeah. 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 Too bad. I get that. Yeah. Well, and again, I think when you're focused on an exit in this case, Brandana quits and, uh, <laughs> you know, here with Chris and Ann. You know, you're going to give it your all and you're going to really write those characters, the the best version of them or the, you know, the most whatever makes them stand out and likable or or in fact, as a villain, hateable, whatever. You're going to emphasize that and give that little extra oomph. Right. And I felt like they did that here for the Chris and Ann episode as well. The other thing that I really like, and this is just talking about the 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 final goodbye mm. scene. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I mean, this it was it seemed like very real moments and not overly trumped up schmaltzy, you know, stuff. Just yeah. it felt real. It felt good. Yeah. And I like how they said their goodbyes and has the shaky exhalation. Yeah. They finally drive away. Ron says, you know, want to go to breakfast yeah. and and. Then they, we had the crane shot and we see them all walk into their cars and it just gives you the impression that like, yeah, this, we're going to miss them. And life goes on. Life goes on. I really, really like that. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. You know, they're going to go have a, a breakfast and everyone's going to feel a little bit bad, but they're also going to dry some tears and have a few laughs. Right. So they're going to go to JJ's. Let's go have the, some waffles. The, the meeting place of the political elite. That's right. That's uh, have right. some waffles or bacon and eggs, please. And thank you. Whatever it takes. All of the above. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, nice job, Mark. I think that's a good breakdown of the show. I, uh, I'm glad we're pretty much on the same page. We usually are. Yeah. Well, Mark, I mentioned it earlier that we were talking about Tuck Watkins yeah. and his return as Pete, uh, his third appearance of three. As we mentioned, we had a chance to talk with Tuck. He was kind enough uh, once we reached out to agree to speak with us. And let's play a couple of clips from that interview and then we'll do eventually what we always do and do a full spotlight with, yeah. uh, with Tuck. But for now, let's just play a couple of clips and, uh, Give everybody a little taste. I love it. Let's do it, man. All right. Well, Tuck, this week we're actually covering uh, season six uh, episode, um, what was it, 13? Yes, yeah. that's right. Episode 13. That's crazy. We're almost done with this thing. Uh, the episode was Ann and Chris. This was your third and final appearance. Um, how did you come to Parks and Recreation? You've got a big resume. Well, I don't think I had as big a resume back when they hired me to do the first episode, which I think was season four. Yeah. I, I auditioned for it. Oh. Um, every now and then, actors actually audition to get jobs. <laughs> and 
I, I don't really remember my audition, but I do remember auditioning for it. I got the job and I was a big fan of all those people. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it was a really funny character. So it, it was fun. And then um, I remember someone on someone, one of the producers said, you know, we usually have people back. The producers say that a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but, but but I did notice on Parks and Rec, they do that. They bring characters back a lot, which is one of the things I love on um, on TV shows is when they bring back people that have been there in the past yeah. as part of the world. I just think that's really cool. Right. Yeah. That's one thing that Alan and I have often said about Parks and Rec. It feels like um, like a real life Springfield from The Simpsons because you have this really rich universe and they keep on bringing back characters like Pistol well, my touchstone is Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood because I'm older than you guys. But yeah, I, I, I have a, a similar touchstone. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Tuck, we uh, we read it in your in your resume about uh, your, speaking of Kevin Klein, another Indiana University alum. Uh, you went to IU and uh, so that's not far from Pawnee either. No, it's not. And I'm, I'm from Missouri. I went to college in Indiana. So I sort of understood the sensibility of the people who would work on the on the city council in small town America. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from that. And, you know, we all live in our own tiny kingdoms <laughs> that the rest of the world is completely unaware of, but they're really important to us. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I felt like I understood the sensibility of that world. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about Pawnee being kind of like Mark mentioned Springfield, you know, from The Simpsons. I think one thing that the writers and the actors and the producers and everything, uh, everyone who's been involved has done is to make it feel like it could be a real place. You know, it's it's nonsensical at times, but at the same time, it's also a place, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm from the Midwest that I, I relate to. Well, you know, it, it, it makes me, there, there's so many stories like that. Like Game of Thrones is this sweeping epic thing, but they always showed you the map. Yeah. And you sort of knew where you were in this world and how each world related to the other and what body of water separated those two cities. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure that there must be a, a, a map of Pawnee that someone has drawn <laughs> to show you where the city hall is, where Leslie yeah. lives. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's something like that that exists. Um, and I, I just I, I think. Um, the stories that that have a life like that are so um, they're easy to become a fan of because you just feel like you mm-hmm. fall into that world and it feels you know what it is it's cozy mm-hmm. even though Game of Thrones was so bloody and violent it somehow felt cozy at the same time and I think Pawnee and Parks and Rec felt the same way. I completely agree. I, I we've said several times it's just fun to watch an episode and just go back to that wow. universe because we're so used to these characters and the interactions and it's just it's like a a, a shoe that that's well worn it fits you you know yeah it's and it's wearing out and most people think it's probably not attractive but you love it (laughs) it's comfortable all right well there you go mark Hey, um, uh, we'll get to hear that full interview with Pete when we do our spotlight episode. With Pete? Yeah, Pete. Pete Asilio. Oh. Isn't that his name? Oh, no. no it's, it's Tuck it's, Watkins. It's that Tuck yeah, Watkins I guy. I was just playing around there. So we will be back next time with season six, episode 14? Anniversaries. Woo, anniversaries. Yeah. Yeah. Only 21 more episodes and we are We're like done. done to done done. We're done done done. Yep. Yeah. 
Who's going to do our crane shot? I don't know. We're going to need one. I feel like I need one just to get out of bed anymore. I, I feel you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. We really appreciate you listening. We'd also appreciate if you'd go out and like and rate and review us on uh, those there Apple podcasts. That yes. helps us out, and we would really love that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.